Welcome to the Geneva Peace Week podcast series, a project of the Geneva Peacebuilding Platform. Geneva Peace Week is a leading annual forum in the international peacebuilding calendar. It's a week of events, workshops, videos, and podcasts just like this one, hosted by different organizations and actors around the world. Founded on the core belief that each person, actor, and institution has a role to play in building peace and resolving conflict. You're listening to a podcast produced for Geneva Peace Week 2020, held from the 2nd to the 6th of November with both live events and pre-recorded contributions. For more content like this, join the conversation at genevapeaceweek.ch. Shanti. Pokui. Salam. Mir. Frieden. Amani. Shalom. Pace. The world is more secure, peaceful, and prosperous when women are accorded full and equal rights and opportunities. So begins the latest update to the Women, Peace and Security Index. And nobody feels this more than the women living in conflict zones and areas of political unrest and crisis. I'm Chavi Sachdev. In this podcast from the World YWCA and Norwegian Church Aid, developed as a digital submission for Geneva Peace Week 2020, I'm going to share with you stories of four young women who are working to build peace within turmoil, each in her own way, in her own part of the globe. Let me introduce you to them and the challenges they face. My name is Vera Serakwash. I'm 26 years old. I'm a Belarusian and I live in Minsk. In Belarus, the summer of 2020 has been the summer of massive protests. And women like Vera have been on the front lines of gatherings, demanding the resignation of President Alexander Lukashenko, who has been in office since 1994. When peaceful political protests have turned violent, women have been beaten, tear-gassed, detained and imprisoned. There was a huge uh, police brutality, violence, and also against women. So they were severely beaten, some were raped, but the obvious result of it is just the loss of physical health, of uh, mental health, and um, the reproductive health as well. I suppose that the violence that is on the streets, that is everywhere now in the society, will affect, uh, of course, the relationship between people as well. It can escalate some emotions and can lead to acts of violence in private space as well. According to World Bank data, one in three women in Belarus faces intimate partner violence. In her work with World YWCA, coordinating the Eastern European region for a cross-continent initiative, Vera works in the area of mental health, and sexual and reproductive health and rights. I suppose that every woman that in Belarus ever experienced uh, an act of gender-based violence, harassed on the street, or many of women been in abusive relationship, not only physical, but uh, like psychological abuse as well. It's systemic, she says, and has been the case for a few generations. At least now, though, young women are starting to recognize it and talk about it. We know that women don't start conflicts and wars, 
but they do suffer the worst consequences. Let me take you three and a half thousand kilometers south of Minsk now. Hi, my name is Amani. I'm 26 years old. I am from Bethlehem, Palestine, and I work as a media and communications for the YWCA of Palestine. Living in the West Bank, I feel that I'm living literally in an open-air prison. So yes, life under occupation is hard, and the occupation has actually even created even harsher reality for women specifically, because it's not just that we are facing occupation here as women. We're also facing patriarchal society, society that still believes in the power of men. And so living in a patriarchal society actually promotes that idea of, you know, women being inferior to men, which actually promotes violence, gender-based violence, because, you know, men feel that they're entitled to hit their wives if they don't listen to them or, you know, restrict their freedom. Emani says things are even worse because of the coronavirus pandemic. Lockdown has certainly exacerbated the situation in many places. Anecdotal data suggests that gender-based violence, or GBV, and sexual gender-based violence, or SGBV, have markedly increased in 2020. But in countries like South Sudan, where the population lives in the throes of a civil war, GBV is a constant. Hi everyone, my name is Mary Fatia. I am 28 years old. I work for the YWC of South Sudan as the Deputy Executive Director and also the co-founder of the Let Girls Talk Initiative, an initiative which creates a platform for young women to be able to express themselves and their leadership skills. I must say that the conflict in South Sudan have had huge negative impact on women and girls. It is mentally traumatic and economically taxing. A lot of men died during the war, and women and children have been left to fend for themselves. It is difficult to be able to sustain the children at home, be it health-wise, be it sustaining them in education, being able to even feed the children. It is really difficult. And secondly, during this war, there has been some reckless issues. For example, there has been huge reports of gender-based violence in all aspects, especially sexual gender-based violence, where women and girls are being raped as well as the young men who are being forced into child soldier, they are also being abused sexually by their fellow men in uniform. Maria Osula, who leads the Eastern Africa Regional Peace Program at Norwegian Church Aid in Kenya, says in traditional societies, women are particularly targeted in war and rape is a common weapon. After rape, many women are marginalized, stigmatized and often humiliated. The heart of the community, the heart of the society. So being targets of sexual violence during war, you're really touching at the core of the community. You're really devaluing the community when you harm a woman. So that's why I believe they've been used as a strategy of war. Perpetrators of GBV are not limited to armed actors, but also include governments, security officials and civilians. Vera in Minsk says in any society, the problem starts from the top. Just from the fact of this uh, violence. And um, 
I would say that it's all connected, the state structure and uh, how the power relations are in the state and between officials, what are the common uh, communications. It is really reflecting the attitude to women in the society as well. Mary in South Sudan says besides politics, it's also economics. People kill each other because they cannot afford something and they want to get it through others. Young people are being used by the politicians, by the rich people to go and kill, to go and attack, to go and cause war. So this is because of the economic situation. I feel like if we are economically stable as a country, nobody will think about war. According to a UN Women report from 2015, women's participation in peace processes results in more durable and stable peace. So, how can women help change the status quo? Maria at Norwegian Church Aid sums it up. And I do actually believe that women are affected differently when it comes to civil wars, but I also believe that women can have an effect on conflict. All agree representation is absolutely key, and not just at one level, but at every level international, national, regional, and personal. That's how change will come, and in some places, has already come. For instance, Maria told me about how representation can change the playing field. This is a story from a recent mediation training in Kenya, organized by Norwegian Church Aid. That's one thing which we try and do as part of the training. Just set up a forum where they can engage with policymakers from civil society organization, UN agencies and regional bodies such as the Africa Union. And we've had the regional body, the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, or EGAD, has recognized the potential of young women and even offered two of them job shadowing positions so they could learn more about what's going on within the institution, what are the approaches they take when they're mediating in a conflict. And one of these young girls was placed in a panel and she was asked what would she recommend to further the participation of youth in peace processes. And she said that she would like to see the IGAD set up an office of a youth envoy. And IGAD actually took this seriously. When Maria and I spoke, she was telling me they're in the process of filling this position. At a national level, Mary in South Sudan says she's proud of the fact that their push has actually resulted in better representation for women in the government. Yes, women, the importance of women representation in South Sudan is that women constitute a huge number of the population in South Sudan. And yet they are the most affected people. They are the victims of all the circumstances. They are the victims of the wars. They are the victims of the conflict, victims of SGBV. Therefore, engaging and involving these women is very important. I remember in 2015 and 16, YWCA has always been part of the peace process in Addis Ababa. And I saw that there has been several women groups that went for the peace process and women coalitions, women organizations were part of the team that went for the peace process. And, you know, at first, women were only given 25% in the first negotiation, in the first peace process and peace deals. But as women, 
kept each other as a team they could partner and speak with one voice come up with position statements claiming for more than just 25% and within this current signed agreement now women have been given 35% and which i'm proud of because this is something that we started fighting for since 2015 where we need 35% of the government positions to be filled by women and at least we can see that now ministerial positions have been given to women at lower state and regional levels these positions still have to be filled but it's going to happen because the women will keep them accountable in regional conflicts women mediate through traditional roles they appeal to the wives of leaders to speak on their behalf and sometimes they act more directly here's mary again in south sudan and this was in a place called yambio where the opposition party did not really want to come out yet they had signed ceasefire but they kept on firing guns and scaring people all over in the area people were still being killed in the night hours and it was still not safe for women and children to live peacefully people could leave their homes and sleep in the bushes because in the following day or in the night you could be attacked anytime so what YWCA did was to be part of a team the religious team that planned to go and visit the head of the opposition party in one of the bushes where they were residing so YWCA together with this team went to have a talk with the opposition leader within that area and we spoke to the people that women and children are tired the people that you're targeting are not even within this community the people you're fighting are not dying but those dying are the children and women who are very innocent if you really love this country and love your people you should come out you should cease fire the agreement has been signed it's better you respect it for the love of your country and at least there has been calmness and there has not been war there was no more firing and at least women came out so to me i felt like this was already an impact in the community of yambio where these people are able to stop firing and to stop suffering with the voice because the women were able to speak up and express themselves even crying expressing how they are suffering for the sin they have not committed themselves and we believe that if women were part of the peace process from the beginning and women are given high opportunity at the peace process at the table we believe that by now we could have peace because when men have been doing it over and over again there has not been so many so much gain for the past years that south sudan has been battling ywca in south sudan has been supported by y global extensively in its initiatives towards advocating for peace and security in the country the support of donors for young women and women in conflict regions is critical in making this change happen across the red sea Amani tells me how her organization has been agitating for a simple change that will give women not only a voice but also a legal backing to demand their basic rights. And since it's a patriarchal society and it's a society where big issues are mostly handled with tribal law. So you know, if a woman is killed, it can be solved over a cup of coffee and that's it. Amani tells me about how commonly women are killed by their families. 
for daring to leave or choosing a partner they don't approve of for any reason, euphemistically referred to as honor killings. Activists who speak up face a backlash, and the women or the perpetrators get no justice. The UN Special Rapporteur's report on violence against women in 2005 found that the protracted humanitarian crisis and its impact on gender and family dynamics has exacerbated GBV in all its forms, including sexual violence, intimate partner violence, and child marriage. The UNFPA went on to say that there is a reluctance to report GBV due to fear of stigma, social exclusion, so-called honor killings, or reprisal. And actually, for over 15 years now, women's organizations, including the YWC of Palestine, have been demanding the Palestinian government, the Palestinian Authority, adopt what's called the Family Protection Law. So this law will actually contribute to decreasing the violence because it will deter oppressors and crimes. And if you look at our government, actually, all the officials are men. We only have three, maybe, women in in the government or four, but... You know, they're not given that power as much as the men. So this is half of the society not being heard. So this is, that's why representation is not being taken care of. The law is still to be adopted. But while that happens, women are being empowered to take on the status quo in whatever areas they can. Emani says that even before the pandemic, where many women have lost jobs or had pay cuts, the economy was weak. So together with women's organizations, the YWCA is providing support online. We've been providing services regarding mental health, especially for women, for children, for people with disabilities. But also throughout the years, the YWCA has been striving to promote women's empowerment and trying to create job opportunities for women and youth. So we've helped women in the marginalized communities start their own small business. We've helped uh, women cooperatives. It's at the heart of our work to find economic opportunities for women and youth, but also we work with women and young women and youth to educate them about their rights, whether social, economic, political, and to increase their representation in decision-making. Being visible also makes a huge difference, as does having role models to emulate and look up to. In Belarus, Vera says that the few women in government do not have the power to make many changes. The meaningful participation and equal share amount of women in the public spaces can really influence the situation and can positively influence the situation with the issues like gender-based violence and reproductive rights. For now, women mostly take informal roles in conflict resolution. They do invisible service work, they do care for victims, they are the supporting infrastructure. And it is a good question, would it be the same if women were equally involved in the processes of decision-making? Perhaps it would be different. Uh, And there are a lot of arguments showing that the evidence that it would be different. And the world now sees the transformation of this role from the victim of a conflict into an active participant in the negotiations. And uh, women show openly and express openly their will. 
And the same situation we see now in Belarus, where thousands of women of various social groups, uh, different profession, ages, they join peaceful protests and because they feel the significance of what is happening now in Belarus. And they feel the significance and, and the importance of them expressing their will and uh, voicing their political demands. Imani has also made some personal strides towards freedom. In the last few years, she has started running and cycling. Since I was a child, I wanted to run. But since I'm living in a patriarchal society who thinks that not all sports is for women, so like, uh, you know, soccer, running, riding a bike, uh, <laughs> So I've never had the courage to go on the streets and run up until I joined a running community called Right to Movement Palestine. So I was finally being able to go on the streets and run. At first, it was not easy because um, I've always getting catcalls because street harassment is a thing here in Palestine. But I learned not to care about it. You know, it's not just running any type of sports. With time, I was able and had the courage just to go out in the streets and run alone, not, not with a team, not with anyone, just to run alone. And despite all the talks I hear, all the looks I get, I've finally had the courage to buy my own bike. So now I bike everywhere, even though it's dangerous, but I drive carefully. It's not culturally accepted for a girl to be on a bike, but I broke that barrier. And I hope other girls will actually be motivated when they see me on my bike to do the same. Surprisingly, it was her mother who was concerned about her challenging the norms. Because it was not culturally acceptable, her mother worried what people would say. Eventually, Amani decided she wasn't going to wait for people's attitudes to change before she did what she wanted. Challenging internalized misogyny when even women end up protecting the patriarchy or undermining women, is a big thing for Vera. Across the world, victim-blaming and victim-shaming is a normalized component of patriarchy, and breaking this cycle is hard. But an activist has to try. My friend I'm talking about, uh, she is from the Central Asia, and their society is much more patriarchal. Yes, and uh, we were speaking about gender norms, in the situation of harassment and sexual violence women can get into. And first, her attitude was that it's their fault when they appear in such situations. But as I understood, my friend is just, she did not maybe reflect it enough. And it's normal that she thinks like this. If everyone around her say that it's uh, women who are guilty. So after we spoke, it did not change her attitude towards it, it did not change immediately. But it was a great start. Um, she started to pay more attention, you know, in the information around her and uh, just started some of the mechanism of reflection. And I think uh, now empathize and uh, to women much more. On a different scale, women can also perpetuate patriarchy and incite violence. Maria from Norwegian Church Aid has this story of how traditional roles can bind women to narratives that maintain gender roles and promote violence, and how that must be turned around. We've had stories and incidents in northern region of Kenya, for example, where we have a lot of conflict between herders and agriculturalists, 
where women tend to come up with songs to incite violence, to sort of mock their men to go to war. Because if you're just staying at home and you're not going to fight for your community, then they start singing songs to push you towards violence. But then again, this very nature of women, this very view of women as the preserve of the society can also be used to bring about peace. Because unlike men who come to the negotiating table seeking security guarantees, seeking political positions, territorial control, or military control, women come in there trying to knit the society together, trying to protect their children. And when they think about their children, I don't think they're just thinking of the children who they have given birth to, but other people's children as well. And they're also trying to promote development and prosperity of that society. And that's why I think it's very important for women to be part of peace and security. According to UN data from 2015, when women are involved in the peace-building process, there is a 35% increase in the probability that the agreement will last at least 15 years. Women can engage and impact the peace process at various levels, from the personal and grassroots level, by challenging norms, becoming role models themselves, engaging in one-on-one conversations, to community building with groups, panels, seminars and conferences to support and advocate for women's involvement. At the national and international level, women have to engage through representation in policy and decision-making. It's not an easy hill to climb. For any of these to happen, Education and engagement are key things women have to take ownership of. As Mary says, the situation is circular. Women will affect change if they are in a position to make change. To be in a position to make change, we need to be educated and aware of our rights. And seeing, to me, seeing women in positions, seeing women speaking up, seeing women role models, it's really an important issue that we want to see. So we want to ensure that We are developing the leaders of not only tomorrow, but also today. We want to see so many young women taking up political positions, changing the mindset of the people. We want to see a peaceful South Sudan that is is driven by everyone, including women, participating at all levels, where there is equal voice, there is gender equality, where there is access to education for everyone. First, freedom I want for women in Belarus is to be free in their actions, in their thoughts, in their speeches. It's for them to have the voice and to show their voice openly, to have a right to vote for whoever they want and um, for their words to be counted and to be heard. Representation is for youth and especially for young women is crucial because how are we going to voice ourselves if we are not given the chance to be represented in decision making? As a young woman who wants change, I need to be part of that change. You know, I need to drive that change and motivate others to do the same. So I always seize that opportunity whenever I have the opportunity to speak up. I'm a realist peace builder, I would say. So thinking of an end to conflict would be (laughs) far-fetched. But I'm really hoping for a situation where women will actually support each other so that we move this agenda forward and ensure that we are participating in various sectors and we're able to move the region or the world forward.
The YWCA's have worked in war, conflict and post-conflict areas since the founding of the organization in 1855. Member associations have an incredible history of expertise in dealing with conflict in their local contexts and have the skills and tools to create effective changes as well as build peace. The movement has contributed increasingly to creating spaces for the participation of young women in crisis and post-crisis countries by building women's leadership, supporting them in their demand for rights and engaging actively in forming and promoting sustainable solutions for peace, justice and equality. Maria, Amani, Vera and Mary. Four women in four different conflict zones, united in their purpose to bring equality, respect, security, inclusion, justice and peace to their fellow women, to right the balance, to activate the change. By networking, organizing and acting for peace and justice, these young women are leading the fight against gender-based violence. Peace and justice form a very core part of the work at World YWCA and Norwegian Church Aid. Both organizations are members of ACT Alliance, with World YWCA represented on the board of ACT Alliance. Thanks for joining us for this installment of the Geneva Peace Week podcast series. Don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review about something you learned. You can also visit our website to continue the conversation with the makers of this episode. Or join us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Geneva Peace Week. Above all, thank you for being here, and we hope you'll join us again for another episode.